up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, mindset, manifestation, spirituality, and entrepreneurship. Today's episode is going to be a short solo one about the five things no one tells you about business. Now, I want to lift the veil really quick into what's going on in my recording studio, aka my living room. It's summer right now in Germany, and so people are outside loving life. There's someone playing music in the background. It's very lively outside, so just a heads up, you might hear that in the back, but I don't know, maybe it will cheer you up because it's definitely cheering me up, and I'm definitely going to join them in just a second. So just a heads up if you hear that in the back. But yeah, this whole topic came from really reviewing my year in business and going back to a year ago, all the lessons I've learned, which I've been sharing throughout the podcast, And I realized there's so much context missing. There's so much transparency. And if you've been listening to the podcast, especially in the last three months, I've been really committed to providing more context and transparency because I feel like that's what's missing. And that's why everyone thinks they're behind. Like it blows my mind that so many of my clients, my peers, my mentors think they're behind. They're not doing enough. They have imposter syndrome. They're insecure. And I'm like, why do so many of us feel like that? And oh, it's because no one's actually sharing what's really going on. So everybody just looks like they're making a shit ton of money, working for four hours, have all the help in the world, you know, taking month long vacations. And I'm like, there's so much nuance and context to what's going on that I want to share my experience and the five things that I feel like no one really tells you about in business. So before I dive into that, I just wanted to remind you of two different things. The first one is that my one-on-one podcast coaching is open. So this is for anybody who wants to launch a podcast or refine what they have going on. So that is everything from the tech setup, naming, formatting, getting your podcast on iTunes and Spotify, interviewing, storytelling, so many different things that go into podcasting. That's what I'm here to help with. Or if you're a newer podcaster and you just want to elevate your podcast or refine it a little bit, I'm absolutely here to help. I've been doing mine for four years and it's been my favorite creative outlet. And I am so happy to coach people on this and really get their voice out there. So I have three spots open for that right now. And you can head to my website at chelseareife.com and either fill out the application or DM me at chelseareife and let me know you're interested and we can have a chat. And again, three spots are open for that. The other reminder is that anybody who leaves a review for the month of June will be entered into a giveaway to win a private Oracle card reading with me, which I am so excited about. I don't offer these publicly anymore. It's something that I love to do when I can. And right now I definitely have the capacity to do this for people in exchange for a review on the podcast. So just take a screenshot of it before you submit it and send it to info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife on my Instagram. Just send me a screenshot of it and you'll be entered into the giveaway and I will draw the winner at the end of June. So next week, which I'm so excited about. So yeah, get those reviews in. They are so appreciated. And obviously, if you ever have feedback and you want to let me know something that you think I could improve about the podcast or more topics you want me to cover, more any constructive criticism, I am all ears. So definitely drop me a line. Again, info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife on Instagram. All right, so let's jump into it. The five things no one tells you about business and entrepreneurship. The first one is that you step into a new identity that I don't think you really prepare for. I remember starting my business being like, hell yeah, I'm going to be a CEO, girl boss, founder of my company, like living that next level lifestyle. 
And then when it actually happened, when I actually filed the LLC paperwork and had to start thinking about business expenses and hiring people and taxes, I was like, oh, wow, this is a new identity and I have to carry myself differently. And that new identity was actually really hard to step into, especially with what I did with coaching. When I started my business, the very, very first thing I did was like private yoga and meditation. And then I shifted out of that and started doing coaching, which was around mindset manifestation. Mindset manifestation coaching, let's keep it real. It sounds like you're saying, I want to be a princess, right? Telling your family and your friends that you're going from a corporate sales job or anything traditional to being a mindset manifestation coach, it's unheard of. It sounds like you're making it up. So not only did I have trouble identifying myself as that, but then even stepping further into that CEO role and saying I'm the founder of my company. I remember I changed my email signature to be like founder and CEO of Rife Media LLC, like that's my LLC. Felt so weird. It felt like I was making it up. I'm like, am I really a CEO? You know, am I really a founder? Well, yes, right? Like I have the paperwork. I'm a licensed company. I pay business taxes. I have business expenses. But it was really hard for me to step into that new identity. And I don't remember anyone talking about that. I feel like when you get into, I'm talking very specifically about coaching and mentorship today. But I feel like when you get into that world, All you see is coaches talking about like 10K months, making mad money, helping people up level and like living a laptop lifestyle. But no one talked about the other piece of it that like all of a sudden you go home and talk to your friends and family and you don't know what to call yourself. Like saying I'm a founder and CEO when your friends and family knew you six months ago as something totally different is really weird. And I feel like, again, no one talks about that. I'm like, it was weird to go home and try to tell my aunt and my grandma what I did or, you know, share with my best friends from college how now I'm a mindset manifestation coach, even though I was a sales rep at a reputable influencer marketing company just a few years ago. That new identity shift was honestly like a mind fuck. And it's something I still have to work on. And I just had to practice saying it out loud over and over and over again. I literally made myself talk to strangers and people at coffee shops and just be like, yep, I'm a mindset manifestation coach. Yep, I'm a mindset coach. And I honestly experimented with it. I was like, maybe I should call myself a life coach because, you know, people know what that is more. Maybe I should take out the word manifestation because it's a little controversial. Maybe I should say I'm more of like an energy coach, but it's something that I've had to play with honestly for the last year. And even now it's changed, right? Like now I do podcast coaching. And so that's part of my title, but that whole new identity, Ooh, it was, it was a roller coaster and recalibrating to that energy of not just the name, but being like, wow, I am someone that is responsible for my finances. Now I'm responsible for hiring people and their payment and their well-being, right? Like people are depending on me now for money and their, their work. I'm responsible for client transformations and people that invest in my work. This is totally different than working at a, a job where you have a very specific set of tasks or project to work on. And you have a bunch of team members. Usually, even if you work at a startup and it's you and someone else, you're working on behalf of like a brand or company or mission where when it's your business on the line and like your name and face, it just really changes the energy. And I feel like not a lot of people talked about that. So again, I feel like 
I don't really have like practical tips to get through all these things, but I feel like something that helped me was just repeating it over and over and over until it felt good and comfortable to be like, yep, like that's it. I'm a mindset manifestation coach. I don't need to explain it. I don't need to be like, yeah, it's kind of like life coaching with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I'm like, nope, just say it update your Instagram bio, update your email signature. And the more I just put it out there on every single platform, the more I started to believe it, but it definitely was not easy. The second one that I have talked about in another podcast is about coming into money and managing it and how your nervous system is usually not prepared for this. I got into the coaching industry and every single message I saw was about attracting more money, manifesting money, manifesting abundance, having a six figure year, making a million dollars in 12 months. That's all it was. It was like attraction, attraction, attraction. I never ever heard anybody talking about managing it. And once I hit a threshold of money that I had never seen before, I was like, holy shit, I don't know what to do with this money. I have never in my life seen this much money in my bank account. I don't know how to manage it. I don't know what it's supposed to go to. Like, how much do I need to set aside for taxes? How much do I need to invest in my business? And this kind of goes back into number one, where it's like, yeah, you have a new identity now and you need to be responsible for your finances. If you don't know what to do, go hire a financial coach or a financial advisor who can sit down with you and properly help you. And I feel like no one talked about that. All these coaches were making all this money, but they were never saying like, by the way, when you make a lot of money, maybe you should consider hiring a financial advisor or a wealth advisor or something instead of just like, yeah, make $10,000. Most of us, I mean, I'm speaking from my experience. Most of us aren't used to just making $10,000 a month or trained to manage that level of money or know how to handle it when it gets into our energy field. And again, if you go back, I would say maybe about eight episodes ago, I did a whole solo episode on how I'm healing my relationship to money. And this was the biggest one. My nervous system had no idea what to do. And so I ended up like spending most of the first month that I made a lot of money. I like spent most of it because I didn't know how to manage it. And now I do see coaches being like, okay, you know, we talk a lot about attracting, let's talk about managing it. And I know this, this is a fine line, right? Like coaches are not financial advisors. You shouldn't be putting all the onus on the coach to tell you what to do with your money. This is where like personal responsibility comes in. But I do wish in the beginning, someone would have said, hey, a big piece of the puzzle is about managing your money. And it would be smart to hire people or mentors or find support around managing it because that's a whole different ballgame. It doesn't matter if you can make 10, 50, $100,000 a month if you don't know what to do with it. And then that's why we understand why, or that's why we see lottery winners like blow their money because they weren't trained to handle it or manage it. That's why when people lose a ton of weight within like a few weeks or a month, they gain it all back because they didn't know how to handle it. And you have to practice and find support or understand what you're doing with it in order to sustain it. And that's something, again, that looking back, I'm like, I wish early on I would have had more financial literacy around money so that when I made my first big month or had my first big paycheck that I would have been like, oh, I know exactly what to do with it. So yeah, the practical advice there is A, hire a financial advisor or financial coach or set up your finances to work for you or B, know that it is a nervous system conversation. Like you really should 
do things for your nervous system like breath work and meditation and visualization to prepare for large sums of money to come in because if it comes in and you're not ready, you probably will sabotage it like I did. The third one is around the sacrifices that you make as an entrepreneur. I feel like this one actually is talked about a bit more, but I feel like it's always packaged differently. I feel like people in the entrepreneurship and business world are always like, you know, laptop lifestyle. I can work wherever I want, four hour work week, you know, just put in the time and you'll get there. And they like slightly mention things about putting in the time, but I'm like, there's so much that goes into the very beginning of setting up your business, the foundations that you do sacrifice a lot because you don't know what you're doing. I remember when I started my business, I didn't know what platforms to be on, like which platforms could host a course, which platforms for emailing, which platforms for finances. So I was always testing out these different platforms and I, because I was experimenting, I would spend a lot of time on them and I was honestly sacrificing a lot of sleep. I also felt like because I didn't know what I was doing, I needed a lot of support. And so I invested in a lot of courses, a lot of memberships, a lot of coaches, I don't think I would have invested in that many things at once again, but I sacrificed so much time and sleep during that period of my business that I don't remember many people talking about that. I was sold this like laptop lifestyle, live wherever you want, work wherever you want, which was true, right? Like I could actually do all this anywhere because it's just on a laptop, but I feel like the sacrifices I had to make up front were something that I didn't consider. I just thought, well, it's my business how can it be that hard? Like I'll just post a few Instagrams a week, a few emails and that's it. Like, I don't really know what else I need to do. But then when you realize, well, I don't know how to automate things. I don't know how to set up automatic payments. I don't know how to host a course. That stuff takes time to learn. And so I had to sacrifice sleep, which then ended up meaning sacrificing like my energy, time with my partner, social events, turning a lot of things down because I wanted to really make my business work. And there's a kind of this element of survival. I started my business without having a backup plan or a full-time job to support me. So I was in this survival mode where I'm like, yeah, I don't really have time to just sleep and take off four days because I need to make this work or else I like can't pay rent. And so I sacrificed a lot up front, but it ended up paying off. And now I fully understand why people hire help, why people don't bite off more than they can chew, why people say to take things slowly. Like it's okay to go slow and build your foundation slowly. I think there's this really harmful narrative around building your like the most successful business you can within your first few years. People wear that like a badge of honor. I've seen it in marketing, right? Hit my first million in two years, hit six figures in my first six months. And so we all are competing for that title when no one talks about the sacrifices that went into someone hitting that. In the beginning, it is really hard to, in my opinion, right? This is in my non-expert opinion, it's hard to build financial wealth within the first six months or year of your business, unless you are sacrificing a lot or have a lot of help or a lot of capital and upfront investment. If it's just you by yourself building things from the ground up, you would literally, in my opinion, have to work like 60 to 80 hour weeks 
to see things take off just because you're also experimenting. So I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking from my experience and being like a bit inefficient where I was experimenting so much that it took me a bit longer to realize like, okay, you don't need to be on every software and every platform. You don't need to be taking courses that are at three in the morning just because you think this person knows the answer. But again, it's something that I wanted to share because I don't think a lot of people share it. The next one that kind of ties into the last one is that you will likely work more than you do in corporate. So I worked probably like 40 to 50 hours a week in my corporate American job. And the overtime was really only if there was a big campaign going on or a launch or I needed, you know, to just stay extra for whatever reason. So when I started my business, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be working those 40 to 50 hour weeks. Like that's impossible. Like I said in my last point, how could I have that much to do? I'm just making posts that I want to make. I'm recording podcasts I want to record. I'm doing all these things that I want to do. So I can't imagine that it would take a lot of time because I know what I'm doing or what I need to be doing. But that wasn't the case. It was, it's beyond just marketing. Like I just thought, oh, I just have to make Instagram posts and emails. It's like, no, what's, what platform are you hosting people on? How are you keeping track of your clients and their addresses and their phone numbers and their payments? How are you going to nurture your clients? What's your big plan? What's your, you know, what what's your business model? And I'm like, I, I didn't know any of these things. And by the way, I think business models are something you figure out as you go. I don't think it's, in, okay, again, in my non-expert opinion, I think it's really hard within your first six months to a year to just know what your business model is going to be. And so I ended up working a lot in the very beginning, probably more than 40 to 50 hours, because again, I was in survival mode and I just didn't know what to do. I was testing so many platforms, trying different formats, like trying an eight week course, then trying a three day workshop, then trying master classes, then trying one on one. And because I had to experiment with all these things, I had to give them time to pan out. I had to look at the results. I needed to do switch gears and pivot and all that took time. It wasn't just working like a few hours a day. And now I've gotten to the point where I realized, wait, I can structure my business to work in the way that I want to. And I can fill in the gaps where I'm the most inefficient. So I don't have to work that much. So the, res- the resolution for this one is like, find your gaps and where you are being inefficient. And for me, that was the automation stuff. I can talk on podcasts all day. I'm good at coaching clients. I'm good at, you know, speaking and and creating content when I want to. Like sometimes if I create content and I'm not in the mood, it's not going to come out great. But the automation stuff, oh my gosh, I was so inefficient. So I hired a virtual assistant to help me, which I've shouted out before. Thank you, Sophie. She's amazing. And now my schedule has freed up where I don't have to work 60 hours a week because I'm not manually doing everything. Also my podcast, I hired an editor to help me with some of my episodes so I don't have to spend hours doing that. And then also with just automation in general, it cleans up a lot of the things that I have to do manually. And so now I don't have to work as much. But that took me a long time to figure out And I feel like no one talked about that in the beginning, right? Everybody wants to sell you this dream of the four hour work week laptop lifestyle, but no one really tells you about like, hey, you're gonna be testing a lot of things out. You're probably gonna realize you're inefficient at so many things because you end up wearing all the different hats. That's the other thing. When I started my business, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be a coach and then I have my podcast. Well, I also am the finance person, I'm the social media marketer, I'm the admin person, I'm the content marketer, right? Like 
all these hats I have to wear. And I just feel like I was like, how am I wearing all these hats? Like I can't do this all the time. And then I realized, well, wait, I can hire people to fill in the gaps. And I feel like no one really talked about that, especially the hiring piece. I guess this could be a separate point, but I feel like no one tells you that you actually can hire people early. I hired a VA within my first like two months to help me for about 10 hours a week because I really knew that I needed the help because I was so inefficient with like the tech stuff. And it saved me so much time and energy that I'm like, why do people talk about building their business by themselves? Like, I don't really get that. And I understand, obviously, you're probably like, oh, well, not everybody has money to hire a VA. If you have money to build a website and invest in softwares, you probably do have money to set aside three to five hours a month, maybe even 10 hours a month for a virtual assistant. Most virtual assistants charge anywhere between $20 to $30 an hour, depending on what packages you do, or they work on a package basis, which may end up being anywhere between like $100 to $500 a month. And again, I'm speaking from my experience. So when I hired a VA, I was like, oh, I can get my time back. I don't have to work 40 to 60 hours a week. And this is not a huge business expense. So I think people don't talk about that enough. I think when I started, I just assumed any business expense was like over $100. I was like, oh, virtual assistants must be like $5,000 a month. You know, websites must be thousands of dollars a month. And I was just making things up in my head. And then I, when I actually started doing research, I'm like, there are so many things that I could be investing in, including team members and freelancers to save my time. But I feel like, again, it's not honorable or it's not like, it's not really looked up to, to be like, oh yeah, I actually did have a lot of help in the beginning of my business. People, for some reason, love the rags to riches story of like, I, you know, gave everything my blood, sweat, and tears. I built this from the ground up all by myself, 60 hour weeks. And I don't know why we really love that story. And I think people don't talk about enough. Like you actually could hire help within your first few months and, and have a much better quality of life, more sleep, more energy, more free time. And that's now what I realize. I prioritize freelancing and help in my business so that I can take off Fridays and take a month off of vacation and not worry about my business always needing me to be front and center. And finally, one of the most surprising ones to me, but looking back, I guess, isn't that surprising, is that your best, best childhood friends and college friends and family members likely will A, not know what you do, or B, not actually invest in you. And I want to elaborate on this because there's a lot of nuance here. So first and foremost, my best friends and my parents absolutely support me. I've had my mom and sister literally jump on Zooms where I didn't have enough people sign up or I just wanted more support or I needed them to promote something for me or tag me. That's absolutely something that they support me with. They don't care what I do. They're like, go do you, girl. Like, you got this. We believe in you. However, that doesn't mean that they that they're paying for anything or that they're paying clients. Same thing with my best friends. I remember going home to Florida just a few months ago and half my friends didn't even know what I did. And the other half were like, oh, I thought you podcasted full time. And just for reference, my podcast 
makes no money in the traditional sense. Like I don't have sponsors. I consider my podcast as an extension of my business. So I make money that way, but I don't like sit down every week and get paid to podcast per se. And I found that really interesting because I was like, wait, how do people not know what I do? I feel like it's in my Instagram bio. I talk about it in my stories. It's all I post about. It's all I speak about on my podcast. And then I realized, well, my best friends don't listen to my podcast. Half my family doesn't listen to my podcast. I don't think my dad has ever even listened to one episode. I don't even know if my like brother has, maybe a few, but they're not like avid listeners, you know? And I remember starting my business thinking, oh, my first clients are probably gonna be family members or like my best friends from college or coworkers. And that wasn't the case. To this day, I'm almost 100% sure out of the like 10 best friends I have, Eight of them don't listen to my podcast, probably don't even know what to do or how to identify me or have ever paid for a course or workshop. And I think that's okay because we can't just expect people in our lives to immediately invest in our work. Maybe they invest differently. Maybe it's not monetary. Maybe it's just tagging you or leaving a review or sharing your link online. And that's the stuff that I'm like, looking back, I understand why people don't necessarily jump to invest in in their friends because it's like, well, maybe they don't know what you do. Maybe they need more clarity. I remember again, going home and my friends were just like, wait, are you a life coach? Are you like, I know you do something with manifestation. Don't you have a podcast? And I realized, yeah, they don't know because also I'm from a small town, right? I grew up in a very traditional sense where I went to college, I got a corporate American job, I had the biweekly paycheck, et cetera. And so to now all of a sudden get into coaching, which I didn't even know what coaching was a year and a half ago, to get into coaching and to be talking about human design and astrology and the Akashic records and spirituality and mediumship, these aren't things that I talked about in college or with my best friends really ever. So now to be weaving this into my work and having podcasts about it and posting about it, well, obviously my friends are like, "Mm, I don't really know what she does. And same thing with my family. They're like, I don't know, don't you do coaching or something? And I don't take offense to that. I remember my brother was like, aren't you a career coach? Like you help people with their careers. And I'm like, "Mm, not really, but close enough. And then in the beginning too, he even said he didn't know what to call me. And he actually sent me this really nice message once. He was like, to be honest, when you started your business, I had never heard of it. Like, I didn't know what you did. And I was kind of embarrassed to tell my friends because what you did seemed like so almost like made up that it just, I didn't know what to call you. And it, and I get that, right? Like going from a sales job to all of a sudden being like, I'm a mindset and manifestation coach. It also, it sounds like you're saying, I want to be a princess. So I get it. Like when people can't identify what you do or put you in a box or put one title on you, it's confusing. And so he sent me this message being like, I didn't know what to tell my friends, but now I see how committed you are to your work, your client testimonials, the transformations you facilitate, the the incredible people that you're helping. Like I get it and I'm actually really proud of you. And I realized that's all I want is for my friends and family to respect my work. I don't need them to understand my business model or know the names of my courses or put a title on me or be my top paying customers. But I will say getting into it, I thought that I was like, oh, I'll be fine when I launch a course. Like I'm sure my best friend will buy it or my sister will buy it. 
Now, obviously I'm speaking from my personal experience. I know clients who like their biggest customers end up being their family members or their coworkers or best friends. I know other people who have never even told their friends or family what they do because they're like, they just wouldn't get it. So this is obviously a nuanced conversation and everything in this, in this whole podcast may not apply to you, but I do think a lot of these things don't get talked about enough, which is why I wanted to bring them up, but also let you know that I'm not offended by it. These aren't things that are just going to deter me from what I'm doing or just stop my business. So I really think this is why it's so important to cast your big vision so that you understand, yeah, your your brother or sister might not know what you do. Your family might make fun of you. Your, your partner's parents might be like, I've never heard of anybody doing this before. But you have such a massive vision that you're like, this is not about me and what people think about me. This is about sharing my gifts to lift other people up. So now when I, when I think about what I do and who I help and explaining this to other people, I'm like, I don't need people to get it. I just need them to respect it. And eventually my work will speak for itself. I think a lot of entrepreneurs can agree with this. When you start out, you feel crazy. You feel delusional. You feel like you're making shit up. You feel behind. You feel wrong. And then eventually it all pays off. It all speaks for itself. And all the commitment and sacrifice and time that you've put in, it inevitably will speak for itself. So that's why I'm always like, yeah, it's okay to be a little delusional. And it's you have to be okay with people like not understanding what you do and not knowing, but knowing that your vision is bigger than that, right? I'm not just gonna like stop doing what I do because my brother doesn't know my title or my friend from Satellite Beach doesn't listen to my podcast. Like that would be so silly. I picture everything as like the universe is watching me in a snow globe. This is where I'm gonna get a little esoteric for a second. But I picture like the universe put me in this snow globe, which is the world. And it's watching me be like, okay, what is she doing with her gifts? Oh my God, did she just stop helping people because Sally Mae from college said this or her uncle said this? Like, no, that's that would be so silly. It's like, no, girl, we chose you. Like, we need you to go share your gifts. You're the one that can do this. You've already done it before. Why would you stop now? And so I would encourage you, if you are an entrepreneur or a business owner, to not let any of these things deter you, but to just be aware of them and always go back to that big vision and why, and know that you were given gifts for a reason. They weren't just given to you to throw away. My mom used this analogy once and I loved it because I was like, oh, I don't know if I should be like using all these gifts or sharing them. It feels weird, which is so silly to think about now, but She's like, Chelsea, that's like literally getting a present for Christmas and just throwing it in the trash, being like, no, I don't want it. Thanks, but no, no, I don't want it. I'm like, yeah, you would never do that. If someone gave you a present, you wouldn't be like, "Mm, I don't know, I don't like the wrapping paper. I don't really, it doesn't really look like what I want. I'm just gonna throw it away. You would use the gift. You'd be like, thank you. Oh my God, I can't wait to show this off and share it. So why is it when it comes to our personal gifts, we're all of a sudden like, no, I don't think I'm gonna share it. I don't know. I don't know what people are gonna say. And it's so silly. It's like we were given these gifts for a reason and we need to share them. So I just want to reiterate, all these things I told you today are not to deter you. They are just to add context and transparency because I feel like when we all start doing this and everybody starts opening up a little bit more about what really is going on behind the scenes, then entrepreneurship and business wouldn't feel as scary. So I hope this was helpful. And I honestly would love to know what you think. Like, do you agree with these points? Do you disagree? 
Is there anything you relate with? I love hearing from you all. So let me know at Chelsea Rife or at non-expert opinion pod or head to my websites, chelsearife.com or in my non-expert opinion.com and drop me a line because truly I love to hear what you all have to say. This episode was actually based on a vote that I did on my Instagram stories. So I do take into account everything you say, the messages, the reviews, the feedback, and I really want to know if these points landed or not. All right, y'all, the only last thing I have to remind you about is to rate, review, and subscribe. And don't forget, if you send in a review, you will be entered into a giveaway to win a private Oracle card reading with me. So all you have to do is take a screenshot, send it to me at info at or shoot me a DM with your screenshot. And be sure to try and take a screenshot before you submit it, just so we actually get it. Because I don't know why Apple podcasts sometimes take forever to actually put up the review. So yeah, take a screenshot before you submit, then send it in info at chelsearife.com or at my Instagram, Chelsea Rife, and you'll be entered into that giveaway for a private Oracle card reading. All right. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you all next week. Bye.